All right, if you have your copy of God's Word, please turn to uh, Psalm 81. Uh, Psalm 81. Many things to be thankful for today um, as we gather and hear the Word of the Lord. I'm going to read uh, Psalm 81. I'll pray, and then we'll dive in uh, to the text tonight. Psalm 81, to the choir master, according to the Gadith of Asaph. Sing aloud to God our strength, shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the noon, new moon, at the, at the full moon and on our feast day. For as a statue of Israel, a rule of God of Jacob, he made a decree in Joseph when he went out from the land of Egypt. I hear a language I had not known. I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder. I tested you at the waters of Meribah. Hear, O my people, will I admonish you? O Israel, if you would but listen to me, there shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. I am the Lord your God, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me, so I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hands against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of wheat, and with honey from the rock I would satisfy you. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for how precious it is. We pray, God, that as we open it now and study your scriptures, uh, we pray, God, that you and your kindness would meet us. Uh, we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. When you study this psalm, it doesn't really fit into the typical psalms. Uh, there's different uh, kinds of psalms. There's songs, uh, psalms of lament, uh, precatory psalms, uh, psalms of joy and thanksgiving. Uh, here, it just, it, it's almost like an Old Testament prophet is, is sharing this psalm, calling the people of God back to uh, the covenant that God has, has made. Uh, many would say that this psalm probably appeared between two festivals. You see right there at verse 3, it says, Blow the trumpet at the new moon, at the full moon on our feast day. Uh, so many think that the beginning and the end of the psalm was kind of celebrated on a feast day, and right there in the middle would be the day of, of atonement. Really what you see here, I kind of want to break this down in really uh, three large sections, really two large sections for the text, and then just make an, um, an encouraging application at the end. Um, but the first is just to celebrate the truth. Celebrate the truth. You see that right there at the beginning um, in verse 1. Sing aloud to God our strength. Shout for joy to the God of Jacob. Raise a song, sound the tambourine, the sweet lyre with the harp. Blow the trumpet at the noonday, at the full moon on our feast day. Uh, the psalmist, if you read the entire psalm, there's some hard words that the Lord says. But even there, there's, there's a time when we celebrate who God is and what God has done. And one of the things that we do every single Sunday, I hope that you see that, is when we gather, the first thing that we hear is a, is a, is a song, a, a scripture of praise. We want to praise the name of the Lord, praise his character, praise his, uh, his, his works. And we want to pray and thank God for who he is. 
So every beginning of every service, what we want to do is we want to lift our, our voices in praise to God, celebrating who He is. Because there is always a time to celebrate what the Lord has done. You even see it here in this psalm. Even though the people of God have been, have been obstinate and have been turned away and they are, are dealing with difficulty, they can celebrate because the Lord is their God who redeemed them from, um, from Egypt. So one of the things that I was just thinking about as I was preparing this message is what can we be thankful for? What can we have shout, shout to, to joy for what the Lord has, has done? And, beloved, God has been so kind to our congregation. Um, as I was thinking, I was just praising God for this, the merger that has happened, right? What a, what a sweet gift of God. Many people have told me that it just, you don't see this oftentimes. You don't see this a lot of these days, right? Where people are just feeling like they can serve the Lord better together and they're designing, desiring to, uh, to labor together. Uh, but it was a privilege to, to, to meet the, the whole fellowship crew and, of course, the, the, the Huddlestons. Uh, it's just been what a joy and delight. And to have, as Adam said, our congregation overwhelmingly unanimously say, yes, we want you to be part of us. So we pray that, as LC said, that you, we, he felt welcomed when he walked in the doors. Uh, we pray that, that that would be the feeling of all the folks at Fellowship. What a sweet thing that God has done there. Uh, I think about uh, Caroline McMahon's dad and him battling cancer for, for several years now and to get a clean uh, bill of health. Right, And the same week that that happened, Joel, who's been struggling to find a new job, gets two offers within two weeks and gets a random call and gets a better offer. I'm praising God for, for modern medicine. You know, we had a couple people uh, hurt this past week. We have Fred Hope, uh, who broke his hip. He broke his hip on, on Tuesday. Uh, Dan had uh, deplaced retina, detached retina. Yeah, he had to have surgery. Um, we have Miss Flo going in for surgery in, in a couple weeks. Uh, we have Miss Pat Dawkins, who's got a spot in her lungs that may or may not be cancer. But we have this gift of modern medicine to be able to, to figure out what it is. It's a sweet gift of the Lord. And can I tell you how encouraging it was to sit with Miss Pat uh, Dawkins, who's 90 uh, years old, 91 now, I think, and sitting in her living room. And, you know, Miss Pat is maybe 70 pounds. Right? I feel like every time I hug her, I'm going to break her. Right? She just seems so tiny. And um, she just was not afraid. She said, I'm going to get a biopsy on Monday. I don't know what it's going to be, but I'm not afraid. And just, the, the picture of Psalm 112, that the righteous man shall not be moved, that her heart would be firmly established, just grew my heart. Uh, I'm sitting there thinking about my own problems in my own life, and this woman may, have, may or may not have cancer, and she's not afraid. She said, whatever the Lord wills. Is, is right and good. Uh, I pray, praise God for what he's doing among our, our, among our college students. Uh, just, uh, you, you, you saw, heard the testimony of Hunter and Stephanie a few weeks back and just them wanting to, to join the church and make that commitment and not have a parachurch ministry to be their church, but to have the local church uh, to be their church. We have a young man who's uh, getting ready to be baptized in our congregation, that the, the Lord is using our congregation to, to help them understand what it means to follow uh, the Lord Jesus. It's been so encouraging me, to me to, to watch um, what's happened with our Generation Link interns, with uh, John Whitaker and, and Paige. Man, we meet every uh, Monday afternoon and, and, and study. Um, I'm actually teaching two uh, classes through Southeastern, Evangelism and Bible Exposition. And, man, we're having great discussions. And just to watch them understand the Word and to, to formulate ideas is just absolutely uh, special. You know, this past week I was at the... 
the Pillar Network Unite Conference. And uh, being there, they've had uh, Generational Link has had interns, and this program has been around for about 10 years. And uh, the fact that we have started within the last six months having a summer link internship program and then residence is kind of unheard of for the, how fast things have kind of developed. Guys, it's been so kind to us um, to be allowed to be a part of that. And I guess one of the things I'm sharing with you, why I'm, why I'm doing this, is because God is doing so many things in the life of our church. And sometimes we don't often see it. Sometimes we're kind of maybe set to our own little community, our own little subset of the church. But God is working tremendously. Uh, Stephen and, and Irina are back now. And we, we praise God for you guys back from your trip from Illinois. Uh, but we were just praising God this, you know, with the phone call last week when your Uncle Gary is starting to ask questions about the Lord, who actually is reading his Bible because of a witness opportunity that, that Stephen had. And the fact that Stephen is thinking about, hey, how can I witness unto uh, the Lord? Um, I'm so encouraged by is Patty Bowen stepping up and teaching the Lady Sunday School class and how much they're just encouraged by your teaching and how much they love how you're pouring into them and they just say she knows the Bible and it's so good to have someone who loves and knows the word. I'm so encouraged by Betty and Frank Folsom and their willingness to open up their home. You know, as soon as they move to that new place, they are going to get everybody in the church there one day. Or if it's not going to be, you know, on Thursday night for their small group and then just opening up, hey, once a, once a month we are going to open up our, our house uh, to someone in the church. And that's just so encouraging to see that love. Um, I'm so encouraged and thankful to God for um, our musicians. You know, Adam and Janice just continue to play and sing every single week uh, because they love to serve. It's a beautiful picture. I'm so thankful for our deacons and how much they, how they do behind the scenes. I'm so thankful for our fall festival happening and having people organize it or sort of organize it without the help of others who are normally the ones, ones doing it. There's just so many things that God is doing in you know, our OP ministry and, and all the relationships that are, that are happening and the, the outreach that's happening all week long that we never hear or see about. Just this past night, they had a, uh, had a movie night to try to build relationships with college students. So 20 uh, college students from Winthrop, probably 15, are not, not connected to our church in any way, just came to park to watch Spider-Man. And then conversations are happening to, to, to build relationships. And one of those girls who came had no connection to our church came on Sunday morning to, to Sunday school and into the worship services. These are things we want to celebrate. We want to thank God for what he's doing in our midst. And I don't think that we do that enough. How often do you as a family just sit around the table and say, hey, guys, let's praise. Let's praise our God for what he's done. You know? And it's not just the good things that we praise for. We, we praise God for the, for the trials and the struggles that he gives us to make us more like him. So the first thing we want to do is we want to make sure that we celebrate the truth. Celebrate the God who gives truth. I think this is the whole point of this beginning of the psalm is to sing aloud, raise a song, blow a trumpet. We're going to give God praise for who he is. I was thinking about even uh, today texting with Daniel and asking him, hey, how are things going with the, uh, just the, the emotional day of, you know, having a church been so faithful for so many years and so many lives impacted and, and affected. And he just said, you know, the Lord has done tons of good. Tons. What a great way of thinking what the Lord has done. He's done tons of good. Not just some, not just several, but tons of good things. Praise God for that image. Well, the people of God here should celebrate what the Lord has done and what the Lord has given them, but yet they were still walking in disobedience. So the second point is listen to the truth. Listen to 
the truth. Verse 4. For it is the statue of Israel, a rule of God of Jacob. He made a decree in Joseph when he went out over the land of Egypt. This is what you're going to, you're going to see the, the, the psalmist here recount the salvation of Israel. When you read through the Psalms, the, the dominant theme throughout the Psalms, when they think about the history of Israel, is the exile. Is God's redemption in the exile. The redemption that God physically showed to Israel, freeing them from Egypt, is the, the New Testament counterpart, is God freeing us from our sin through the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. God has always been our Redeemer. The first two chapters, things were great. Chapter 3, everything uh, turned. Everything went bad. And from chapter 3 of Genesis all the way to Revelation chapter 22 is God is our Redeemer. God is the one who's going to bring our redemption. And when we think about the redemption that God has given us in Christ and pictured in the exile of the Israelites from Egypt, we should be eager to listen to the Lord because he's kind and he's good. And yet the people of God here did not. So the first thing the psalmist does is recounts this salvation. Verse 6, I relieved your shoulder of the burden. Your hands were freed from the basket, making the bricks. In distress you called and I delivered you. I answered you in the secret place of thunder on Mount Sinai. I tested you in the waters of Meribah during the wilderness. Hear, O my people, while I admonish you. Israel, if you would but listen to me. When you read this psalm, what you're hearing is a God who's desperate for his people to listen. He's, I've done so much for you. Will you please listen? You'll see this at the end of the psalm, because if you listen, if you obey the Lord, your life will flourish. You'll be in abundance. God desires to bless his children, bless the nation of Israel, if they would just listen. Verse 9. There shall be no strange God among you. You shall not bow down to a foreign God. We can even make this application to the, the, the Christians at Thyatira, as we looked at this morning. Right? They shall not bow to the, to the sun god Apollo, the son of Zeus. No, they shall bow to the, the true son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ himself, the Messiah. There is one God, shown himself in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. There shall be no strange God among you. Verse 10, I am the Lord your God. Now, how does the Lord define himself? I am the Lord your God who did what? Brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This is what the Lord has done for us. When we, when we see in the Old Testament, brought you up out of the land of Egypt, we should immediately be connected to the cross. Because God has, has set our exile from slavery and death to glory. Right? Through the work of his son. The, the, the path of the Red Sea parting is the path of the cross. The Lord Jesus taking the wrath of God upon himself and giving us hope. Open your mouth wide and I will fill it. But, verse 11, my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. You know, sometimes we're, we're shocked when people walk astray and they don't listen to the Lord. And yet it happens all the time. God has been so kind, and yet we are a forgetful people. So the Lord says, I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. 
I would soon subdue their enemies and turn my hand against their foes. Those who hate the Lord would cringe toward him, and their fate would last forever. But he would feed you with the finest of the wheat, and with the honey from the rock I would satisfy you. So why don't we listen to God's word? When God says listen, why don't we listen? I think one reason why we don't listen is we don't know the Lord. Pretty, pretty simple. So if you know someone in your life that does not listen to God's word, they probably are not a Christian. So what we need to do, we need to treat them like a non-Christian and help them repent and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we have a period of our own life that we need to do some self-examination. Ask ourselves, if we repeatedly do not listen to the Lord's word, are we Christians? The Bible says, test yourself to see if you're in the faith. Number one, we do not know the Lord. Number two, we forget his acts of deliverance. We just forget. We just forget all the things that the Lord has done for us. That's what the people of God are doing here. God is saying, listen, don't you remember when I delivered you from Israel or delivered you from Egypt? Don't you remember those, those days when I had, have done to show my, my power to the nations that I am the one and only true God? Don't you remember what God has done for you in giving you salvation? Never forget the redemption that God has brought you in Christ. Never give over that. One of the encouraging things I see in, 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 in more music that's being written in the last five or six years, all the, a lot of the new music that's sung for worship center, services uh, are really centered on the gospel. And I say that, the, ones that the, the gatherings that I go to. I can't promise you every gathering is like that. But there's a, there's a centrality of the gospel that has been recovered a lot in evangelicalism, which is, which is a beautiful thing. We never want to forget the acts that God has delivered us from. Number three, uh, we don't listen to the word because we don't want to be admonished. Sometimes we, we know what the Lord's word is going to say, but we don't want to hear it, so we just ignore it. This is one of the reasons why uh, when people stop attending church, I get nervous. Not because I think that there's outright sin in their life, but I think what they're doing is that there may be sin, and they just don't want to hear the word. If you're living in sin and something's going on in your life, why would you want to go to the place that's going to give you conviction? Because you know what's going to happen. What did Jonah say when he ran as far away from God as possible? And after God brought him back, saved him out of the belly of, of the great fish, and brought repentance to the Ninevites, he said, I knew you were going to do this. And he just didn't want it to happen. Sometimes we don't want to hear what the Lord has to say to us. So we ignore him. Number four, we love sin more than God. We just love our sin. The Bible says here is that God gave them over to stubborn hearts. They choose, chose their own sin over than following God. That's one of the reasons why we don't listen to God's word. Or, number five, we love self more than God, which is really the, the same thing of loving sin over God, but it's just a little bit different, that we, we want to be in control of our life. I get that from verse 11. My people do not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. You know, God says this, and we don't want to listen to God. We want to be our own ruler, our own autonomous self, so we choose not to listen to God's word. We're going to do it our own way. And this is the, the Thomas Jefferson of the Bible that we have in America, right? We're going to pick and choose our own verses. We're going to believe only certain parts of it rather than submitting to the whole thing. You know, some of the, the challenges of, 
of preaching the Bible verse by verse expositionally is sometimes you just got to come across some hard passages. And he's got to say it like it is. Right? I praise God for preachers who have kind of walked through the text. Because we want to love God more than self. And the Bible says that in the last days, the people of the, people of the world are going to be lovers of self and not lovers of, of God. And lastly, we forget the Lord's future promises. Some of the reasons why we don't listen to the word of God today is because we forget what God has promised us. You know, God has promised some pretty sweet things. Pleasures forevermore at his right hand. Living eternally on the new heavens and the new earth. This is what God is saying here. He's saying, listen, if you would only listen to me, I would subdue your enemies. I would give you victory. And I'd give you good food. I'd give you the, the finest of wheat. I'd give you honey from the rock. If you would only listen, if you would only repent and come back to me. God wants to be like that father on the hill. And when he sees his son, he wants to run out to him and throw on the best robe and give him the ring and, and, and kill the fattened calf and celebrate. Listen, God has promised us so much. Let us not be satisfied with the small things of the world when he has promised us eternity. And when we don't listen to the word of God, we don't want to... to when I say listen, hear, listen, and obey. The Bible doesn't really differentiate. that We don't want to be hearers only, we want to be doers of the word. When the Bible says, listen, if you hear my voice, it's this idea of hearing to obey. When we're not hearing to obey, we've forgotten all that God has promised us. But we've also forgotten the retribution that God will give those who reject him. As I, as I shared this morning, there comes a time when, when God is going to separate the wheat from the chaff. He's going to separate the, the, the sheep from the goats. There's going to be a time when he's going to, to separate. We want to make sure that we are going to experience the land of promise. That means we have to know Christ. This is why, when, this is why the book of Revelation is such a beautiful book. Because it says, to those who conquer, to those who overcome, to those who hold fast to the faith once and for all, delivered to the saints, those who hold fast to Jesus Christ will experience that Land of plenty. Uh, a great book that unpacks this whole theme, John Piper's Future Grace. The promises that God gives can, can fuel um, gospel obedience now. So whatever you're struggling with, whether it be anxiety or lust or greed, whatever you're struggling with, maybe the struggle is because you're not looking far enough into the future. Right? And all that God has promised his people. Well, lastly, let me just close with this. We want to love the truth. Not only do we want to listen to the truth, we want to love the truth. We want to love God's word. And for order that to happen, we need to have a change of our hearts. But only God can do that. I didn't bring it up this morning, but it was a, it was a beautiful passage. And, and I think what uh, this idea of searching the heart that we see in Revelation chapter 2 in the church of Thyatira, it's really connected to Jeremiah 17.10. And Jeremiah 17, 9 is the one that says that the heart is de deceitful above all things and desperately sick. The very next thing, it says, I, the Lord, am the one who search, searches the hearts. It's this great picture there in, in, um, in Jeremiah, which I think John is kind of alluding to in the, the or Jesus is alluding to in the letter to uh, Thyatira. Um, but we need a heart change. Our hearts are sick. We need to have them changed. 
and we, we when like 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 Elsie said, listen, I'm a sinner, and I need to be to be sanctified, I need to be transformed. And how do we grow about loving the truth? Just a couple words of encouragement. Number one, read the Word of God daily. Read the Word of God daily, uh, beloved. There are so many things that will occupy your time and your mind. Read the Word of God. Set aside a time every single day where you are in the Word of God. And one of the things that you can do in your own discipleship, let's say you, you have not had a problem in your life reading the Word every day, when you're discipling people, uh, notice I say when, not if. When you're discipling people, whether it's your own children or, or a co-worker or, or a neighbor or someone else in the life of this church, when you're discipling, that is a regular question you should ask as you begin a discipleship relationship. Do you spend daily time in the Word of God? You'll be surprised at your answers, right? But listen, if, if the Word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, it, it, it's, it's, we want to be conformed to that Word, well, we have to read it. So number one, read the Word daily. Number two, uh, look for evidence of, God, of God's grace. It's kind of what, I, what I'm kind of, what I love to do is I love to look at what God is doing in the life of our, our church and what God is doing in showing grace to different people uh, in our congregation. You know, I'm so encouraged. One of our college students, uh, Hannah Tinder, Many of you may not know her, but, man, the difference of her character from last spring till today is remarkable. She's one of the ones who teaches on, on Wednesday night. Uh, she was kind of more sporadic last year. But, man, she is all in. and She's bringing people left and right. Right? And that is so encouraging to my heart to see God working among his people. So how do I love the truth? I love what the truth of, God, of God's word is doing in other people. When I, when I see that, I love how, how, how God's word has used Jen Huddleston to encourage a lot of our ladies. Our God is just giving her an encouraging spirit, and it's so encouraging to see the word of God affect her. And not only affect um, her and, and other women, but how it affect my own daughter, right? How my own daughter is learning to love the truth of God's word because of, because of Jen, right? That is God's evidence of grace. There is grace happening all over the place. And when you see God's grace working in other people's lives, you want to say yes, yes. And that, 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 that will fuel, I think, your own walk with God. Number three, pray. <laughs> pray. Spend time in God's word and prayer, right? There's nothing like having a daily time of prayer with the Father, having that conversation with the Lord and listening to him. Right? Asking him, even as this text says, Oh, that my people would listen. God, where in my life am I not listening? Where am I blind? Expose it. God, move in my life. Move in the life of our church that we would be people who listen to your word. Uh, number four, sing God's praises. Uh, I said it, I think, last week, maybe two weeks ago. If you want a hymnal, we have a bunch of old ones. Take and have during your devotion. Open, open a hymnal and, and sing it, right? Um, Stephen Rete, one of your favorite hymns is Amazing Grace, old school. And um, you, you were in Children's Church again today when we sang it as a closing song. I think the last four times we sung it in church, you have to not hear. Right? We're going to get you here when we sing that, that great hymn. Um, but that's a great hymn that every time I sing it, when I sing that last stanza, uh, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun. We have no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. What that does is it reminds me of the future promises of the Lord. Right? That God has promised to bless his people in the future. And it stirs my heart to continue to love his word. 
And lastly, um, have fellowship with the saints. Have fellowship with the saints. I am so encouraged by our congregation, how I, I hear conversations that are happening that are real about your life and about theology and about the word. Uh, this past week, um, when we stayed in, um, for the conference, we, we stayed in someone's house because we didn't want to pay for a hotel room. So we stayed in someone's house, and the way it was, what was described to us is going to be this. It was going to be this in-law suite that had a queen-size bed and a blow-up king mattress. Now, when you think that, you think a, a full-size queen mattress and a big-size blow-up king bed. That's not exactly how the room was when we got there. We had a futon, and we had a little thin mat on the floor. Um, me and, and John Whitaker and a, and a random guy that we never met before named Tom from New York. And usually when you stay in a, in a random, you know, Vicky and Willie's house and um, in somewhat different accommodations with a brother that you don't know named Tom from New York, you're like, this is going to be really awkward. Can I just tell you how sweet it was? Oh, it was so sweet to fellowship with Tom. That God was so hungry to learn about God's word and so hungry to, to grow and ask questions. And he, he told that uh, me, him, me, Tom, and Witt just kept on talking about God and theology and the church. And he said, I'm so encouraged by just being with you. To the first table I sat at, all they wanted to do was talk about football. And I'm fine to talk about football, but it was like 30 minutes of football. And you guys are just Italy talking about the word. And, man, we, we left on, on Wednesday night, and we just prayed together. We prayed for his life and for his ministry and his future desire to be an elder. Then he prayed for us. And we just left and said, oh, what a sweet time of fellowship. If your fellowship with the saints of God does not stir in your heart to make you love the truth, to make you love what God has done, something's wrong. Either something's wrong with the fellowship or something's wrong with, with your own heart, right? We want to listen to the truth, and I think the best way to listen to the truth is to love the truth. So I pray that we would love the truth more because when we love the truth, we love our Savior, who is the truth. Let's pray. Father, I pray that we would be a people who would listen, who would listen to your word. Let it never be said of the people of Park, oh, would they listen to my word. But God, let us be those who listen and that you would bless us, God. Bless us in a way that only you can. Help us love the truth. And in so doing, help us love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.